0: Life's about choosing where you want to go and mapping out a financial path to get you there. Of course, things don't always go according to plan. An experienced financial advisor can help you avoid potential hazards and find alternative routes. The right financial advisor is not only there for the journey, but also helps you plan for what's coming. Make adjustments along the way and keep you on track to reach your specific goals. Are you on the road to success? Contact us for a complimentary review and find out. Call Kevin Frisbee at Frisbee Benefits, 800-998-5649. That's 800-998-5649.
1: Investment advisory services are offered through Foundations Investment Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.
2: As you continue to plan for retirement, you should also be planning on taxes in retirement. Being proactive in tax planning can save you not only money, but the headache and stress that come along with it.
3: Hi, this is Coach Pete, and if you've got questions on how to properly structure your assets and build retirement income, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Financial Safari.
4: Hey, welcome in, everybody. This is Financial Safari with Kevin Frisby. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Of course, Kevin is the founder of Northern Alliance Financial. And yes, Kevin is here today. Always nice to talk to you, Kevin. How are you? Hey, great, Steve. How are you doing today? Very, very well, thanks. The um, so Kevin, by the way, you uh, Kevin's book, I would, it's a great stocking stuffer. Uh, and if you'd want that book, I would say just go out and find it. It's called Every Dime Every Day. It's a great little read
2: i i appreciate that with the holidays in front of us uh, and that's a good point you know we probably get them out in time for christmas even if it's late uh after christmas give a call I'll, I'll give them away today steve if anybody wants to call the radio show whether you're a client or just uh inquiring about the book uh give a call and i'll send a book out
4: all right hey i like that yeah i mean i wasn't looking for that but good that's a, that's a great I mean, and again that's a great stocking stuff for no yeah, i'm point. in
2: the holidays well i'm in a holiday spirit let's say well, uh, yeah I'm, a, I'm i love to give and and uh you know what There's nothing better than people to take my book and utilize it and put some of the principles in place and and have them call me five or ten years later saying, hey, you know, that really helped me out. That that to me is – the, the payback. I yeah, guess.
4: absolutely. Um, all right, folks, there you go. Uh, so let's jump into this. We talk about uh, being a proactive in tax planning. Yeah, that's a, but I mean, it really taxing, taxes in retirement. We touched on this, uh, you know, I think last week a little bit, but this, the tax strategy, that's a year round thing in retirement, isn't it?
2: You know, it's, it's one of the most under-talked-about topics when you talk about retirement planning and having a plan in place and putting a plan in place is the importance of your business partner. And if you have a retirement account at work or 401k or something like that, who is your business partner? It's the Internal Revenue Service and Main Revenue Service. And, and what that means is a lot of times when you draw money out of those accounts, they mandate that you withhold taxes so that they get their portion. And if you're not strategizing with your business partner or about your business partner to pay them as, as legally, pay them the least amount possible, it's going to take money out of your pocket and out of your lifestyle and out of your family's, uh, you know, plates and t- off the table. So I think tax planning and strategies is a, a critical component when you talk about having uh, a, a proper plan in place.
4: Yeah, don't wait until April 18th. This year it's April 18th to uh, start thinking about taxes, especially if you're retired. For sure. Yeah. Um, So we also need to know, we're talking about taxes. So social security, big part of our retirement plan, obviously, but it can be taxed and it will be taxed.
2: Yeah. You know, it so far, and I say that because right now there's a bill, there's always bills in, in Congress, but right now there's a bill that has bipartisan support to eliminate taxes on social security. In 1983, think about this. When when Roosevelt implemented Social Security way back uh, in a day, it was never intended to be taxed. It defeated the purpose. And so in, in Congress in 1983, the Democratic Congress in 1983, when Reagan was president, decided that they wanted an additional revenue stream and they decided to implement the first tax on Social Security. In 1993, the Democrat Congress under Bill Clinton decided that they wanted to increase taxes and they they did it by way of increasing taxes on Social Security. Again, It's defeating the purpose of what Social Security was created to do. So now there's a bill with bipartisan support that I'm watching very closely that is talking about completely eliminating taxes on Social Security. But let's assume that doesn't happen. How to understand the taxes on Social Security is important. And it's going to be critically important to make sure that you have thresholds and, and try to plan around it and try to do your distribution depending on where you pull money from to, to, to maybe minimize taxes on your social security if possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The problem with these, Steve, is the tax brackets. When you t- uh, start to talk about the triggers on paying taxes on social security, they were initially implemented in 1983. And back then, when you talk about $25,000 for a single filer or $32,000 for a married filing joint, that was a pretty good income, yeah. Uh, back then, it was a higher upper middle class, and and today, because it did, they never adjusted that for inflation. Today, it's almost now that almost everybody is above those income thresholds, which means almost everybody today is paying taxes on their Social Security.
4: Man, well, and boy, I had I was unaware of that bill. I uh, I'll rely on you to keep me up to date on that. That's pretty exciting if it happens. Oh, the, there's, there's a
2: lot going on and, and I'll bring this up now since we're talking about bills that not just that, that's a big one, mm-hmm. but there's, and this is a, there's a second bill uh, separate that is talking about uh, eliminating the windfall elimination provision, which there's 14 states that penalize state workers from being able to collect the full amount of social security if they worked in the private sector. And there's also bipartisan support to pass that bill on the federal level. The states will never pass it because the state of Maine being one of the 14 states looks at it as additional revenue. They're they're basically, stealing's probably not the right word, but <laughs> it have feels their hand like that. in the pocket. Have their hand in the pocket of these poor state workers that also paid into the private sector and penalize these poor people because they did work two different professions. And now that bill on a federal level will eliminate that if it's passed and there's there's great support for that. We're following that as well.
4: Wow. Okay, great. I mean, those are two very positive things aimed directly at uh, retirees.
2: It, it really is. And again, this is dynamic uh, retirement planning and changes that are going on in Washington that we're going to be at the forefront of, of uh, educating our clients if those things happen.
4: Well, speaking of education, uh, I think people are wondering now because it's all over. All, you know, you see. Oh, I have to have a Roth. I need a Roth. Need a Roth. It does make sense for some people, but it doesn't make sense for everybody, does it?
2: That's true. And when we, when you talk about Roth planning, and it's a it's kind of a buzzword almost, and it yeah, has been it for is. several years in the in in the, in the financial services market. When you talk about Roths, the the benefit of a Roth ultimately long-term is the proceeds, including the growth come out tax-free. So you can put an investment aside, uh, you you let it grow for a long time and all the growth and and appreciation, and all come out tax-free when you start withdrawing it as long as you are above the 59 and a half year old threshold. When people are doing contributions to Roth IRAs, for example, or the Roth 401k option, it really is going to be determined on their household income level today and the tax brackets that they fall into today. If somebody is in a 12% federal tax bracket today in their earnings, in their household earnings, whether it be single or married filing joint, doesn't matter, the 12% bracket, if if you're putting into a Roth IRA versus your your pre-taxed IRA type of account or 401k, it's probably gonna be, be more sensible to put into the Roth because number one, you're at a low tax bracket and that money will grow tax deferred and tax free for the future. If you're in a higher bracket like a 22% federal bracket, it's likely gonna be a better idea to put into the pre-taxed or IRA type of account to get the tax break today. Even if tax rates go higher, in the future, you're probably not going to be in such a high tax bracket down the road when you finally retire. Sure,
4: and and again, those are the conversations that you have with people every day, and 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 if it makes sense or if it doesn't make sense, and I, I like the fact that with the tax rates what they are now, we can actually spread that out over a number of years. Yeah, we can, and uh, when
2: when you talk about Roth conversions, right now it's coming towards the end of the year, so it's getting tight to to make these decisions. But I just had a client a couple of weeks ago. Uh, come in and, and her husband had just passed away a month ago, unfortunately. But I said, listen, and, and we've done some Roth conversion strategies over the past couple of years. I said, this year, you're still going to file a married filing joint tax return. And so I said, once you go back home and figure out what your total household income is going to be, you lost Rick's uh, part of his pension and, and part of his social security. So now some of that has gone for the for the last couple months of the year, but go figure out what it's going to tally up at the end of the year. And let's do a conversion because it makes sense in their case. Let's do a conversion of how much can you convert from a pre-tax to a Roth before you bump up above the 12% federal bracket? Because again, she's still filing a married filing joint return this year. So she's got some higher amount this year versus next year being a single filer that she can convert. And so she did that. She come back and said, I, I got $50,000 between our household income and what I can uh you know, be able to convert before I bump into the next bracket. And we converted to 50000 this year in, in one lump sum. Makes sense in their case, sure. but it, it's a it's a household by household decision.
4: Well, again, you know, th- I mean, tying it back to Social Security is that Roth conversion. I mean, because with Social Security to to be taxed, it's part of a provisional income, which is different than your adjusted gross income. And what that, what that could mean is if you have tax-free income, then that Social Security won't be taxed. That's true. And and again, that's the reason
2: I say it's case by case, household by household, tax bracket by tax bracket, trying to, trying to strategize the best we can. And it's not just looking at taxes on social security, Steve, that's important, but it's also looking at if you convert a, a, a higher amount and you've got a decent household income, is it going to affect your Medicare Part B premium oh, if you're on Medicare? That's the question. I mean, because that's a means-based, income-based tested uh, premium that you pay for Medicare Part B so we have to look at that as well make sure all right is is it does it make sense to do a Roth conversion? Does it affect your Medicare Part B? If it does, how much and I'm not saying not to do a Roth conversion if your Medicare Part B goes up for a year but how much is it going to go up for a year and does it make sense there's a, again, it can be complicated right There's a lot of things to bring into the conversation to make sure you're making the, the, the proper decision.
4: And why it's important to sit down with a fiduciary independent advisor such as yourself, and uh, really the team at Northern Alliance Financial. Um, one last thing: so be charitably tax smart. I like that because I mean that can that figures in, doesn't it?
2: You know, here's here's what I'm here's what we're talking about: be charitably tax smart. I had a client just uh, reach out to me, and he's done this the last several years. He gives a lot to his church, and which is a nonprofit, five hundred one c three uh, tax-exempt organization. And so I said, listen, you give money continuously through the year to your church, which is great. And I love the, 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 the reasons why you're doing that. But I said, you also have to do a required minimum distribution. And so instead of giving money ongoing out of your, basically recent in your pocket, your checkbook, writing a check every week to your church, why don't we do this a little bit differently? We can take a part of your required minimum distribution that you're required to take and pay taxes on anyway. If you do a direct transfer to a charitable organization, your church in this case, you actually don't have to pay taxes on the required minimum distribution that you funnel directly to your charitable organization. So you actually save yourself taxes, but also you can donate more money because it goes directly to the charity you're already giving money to.
4: Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, again, th- like you said, there's a lot of different moving parts to this puzzle and we're going to continue the conversation and dig into it. But right now we need to take a quick break. Let's go ahead and invite folks to call. Sounds great, Steve. For the next 10 callers who will call in today... You're going to get a roadmap to see where you can go and how you're going to get there when it comes to retirement. 800-998-5649, 800-998-5649. We spend a lifetime getting ready for the day we retire.
2: When we come back, we'll talk about some things to consider before you decide to call it a career.
3: In retirement, some people like to take it easy. Uh, let's see, to nap or not to nap. And some people like to go, go, go.
5: And then we went to St. Thomas, then New Orleans, then our grandson's soccer game, then for the in New York, to Bora, Bora
3: You know what the beauty of it is? It's your choice. Ah, live it like you want. If you have the right plan, enter Financial Safari's Kevin Frisbee, 800-998-5649, 800-998-5649.
4: We're back on Financial Safari with Kevin Frisbee. I'm consumer advocate Steve So yes, Kevin, founder of Northern Alliance Financial, formerly frisbee and Associates. and uh, Kevin is uh, the yeah obviously the founder uh, Lance Gilman is the uh, CEO. and uh, so again, Kevin, this is always fun when uh, when we get to talk, you and i and and because we did it first, I mean, we talked radio for a long time,
2: Wow, sh- hundreds and hundreds of shows, Steve yeah. and again,, I've, I've, uh, you know, sacrificed our, our weekly, uh, conversations to make sure that, uh, our advisors get kind of a stage, uh, presence and be able to, you know, tell their story and get on the radio show with you to, to, to let the, the audience know that we're a much large, larger group than Fris- Kevin Frisbee, right. Frisbee and Associates, I was going to say, but also I want, I want the people in radio land to listen to the people that, uh, we have on our team, because when you call up. You're going to meet with one of these people. I, I, you know, I still meet with clients, obviously, and we we have a lot going on. But I want to make sure that, you know, the people that call up the radio show have the ability to sit down with the the actual person they hear on the radio.
4: Yeah, right. Well, I mean, it's Lance Gilman, it's Peter Hansen, Derek Hewitt. Uh, we had Jeremy Barnard on the show last week. AJ Harmon. I mean, what a great way to be able to put a plan together.
2: It really is. And you know what, Steve, we're focused because we're on the same mission. We're on the same mission to educate. And and put our clients or or anybody that comes in to take advantage of the consultation in a better place. That's sure. just that's our focus, and that's always been from the get go. That was always the, the the reason why I got licensed and, and wanted to get out there and and, uh, and help so many people. And that's why we've grown so much. I mean, you look at twenty this year, twenty twenty two, and even last year, twenty twenty one, and more than fifty percent of all of our growth, more than fifty percent each year, has come from referrals from our existing clients referrals of family members or current uh, you know, uh, people that they work with that are retiring or people that just want to come in or their kids or grandkids have come in and said, hey, you know, we need help. And, and mom and dad said, we should talk to you. Or grandma and granddad said, we should talk to you. That's, that speaks tremendous volumes to what we've been able to do and how many people we've been able to help here across New England.
4: Right. And and folks, if you want to get a head start, it's 800-998-5649. You know, uh, we talk about baby boomers, about 10,000 of them uh, retiring uh, turning 65 pretty much every day. That goes on for years. And uh, so the question is for the baby boomers out there is, are you ready? And uh, how do you know you're ready? Because I think a lot of folks, a lot of my friends, are saying, "Well, I'm not going to retire anytime, so I'm just going to keep working."
2: You know, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. And, and to your point, ten thousand baby boomers not necessarily retire every day, but turn sixty five every day yeah. for the next sixteen, seventeen years, which is a massive number. Um, you look at the the, the uh, unemployment rate right now, and COVID has accelerated this. And and you know, you talk about the Federal Reserve raising interest rates because of the uh, the low unemployment. Well, guess what? You got to factor in that ten or twelve thousand people every day turn in sixty-five, so you have a massive amount of potential retirees in the next coming ten or twelve or fourteen years. So I hope you change your dynamics of what you're going to raise interest rates on. That's a side note to to that point. More than fifty percent of retirees unretire, which is another fact. That wow, really? The the, the problem? Yeah. Well, the issue is, and God, I've had hundreds of these conversations over the years with with clients, current clients, Steve, because. When somebody retires, they may think they're ready, but then they are retired for six months and then, frankly, you just get bored. The honeydew list is, is caught up. Um, you know, you can only fish and golf so much or, or snowmobile or whatever you, you end up doing. At the end of the day, you want to stay busy. And a lot of times, people miss that social aspect of working. You know, they have a, the second family, basically, of people that they used to spend all that time with at work. And they miss that because, again, yeah, I want to spend time with my wife and, and converse, but. I don't want to spend all day with my wife, and I don't think anybody really does. <laughs> At the end of the day, right? You need that dynamic social life of of uh, you know interacting with with different people around you.
4: Right. And, and I mean, you know, you talk about working forever and I thought the statistic that one in five Americans age 65 and over are actually employed. So, and I think what people sometimes fail to realize is that, you know, you're not, you retiring may not be your choice.
2: You know, that's true too. So if, if somebody hasn't maybe done enough planning um, sometimes it's just not an option, and they have to continue to work until they really can't until healthwise catches up to them or something. but but the people that that want to work still, even if they have the means and the ability to retire, um again, in today's work environment, there's such a need for workers that they they, they hopefully feel welcomed and and uh, supported by companies that want to keep them on or or if you want to retire and finally go do something you you know always had an enjoyment doing. but, you never really wanted to get paid, but you're going to get paid a little bit maybe to do it. Or even volunteering, that, that can be considered work. Whatever you're doing, it's a matter of staying busy. And sometimes it's good for the extra buck. I mean, yeah, you know, in today's world, right, inflation's running hot and you want to go, you know, work 20 hours a week or 25 hours a week just to stay busy, but also earn a few bucks to to spend and not have to worry about digging in further into the retirement account to, to buy the extra, you know, cost that it is at the grocery store. Um, there's a little bit of peace of mind that might go with that with some people. I know there is because I've had that feedback from people.
4: Sure. Um, And again, so we're talking about getting the things we have to prepare for, things we have to do, especially baby boomers out there. And that's really who's retiring big numbers. Um, This is a big one too, is claiming social security too early. And I mean, we all know we can start at 62, we can wait until 70, and anywhere in between.
2: You know, this is a case-by-case basis as yes. well. I, I just had a client in here, um, uh, man and woman, uh, not married together, a uh, long, long time, uh, talking about Social Security planning. He's 62, she was a little bit younger, and um, other reasons why they're not married, but that's that's not topic here. But p- point being is, he was asking me, say, Kev, should I collect or think about collecting Social Security now? Number one... Uh, He's still working part-time, but in a capacity where he's a consultant, where he makes a a sizable amount of money every year. So the problem with collecting Social Security earlier than full retirement age is you're limited to make about $19,000 a year before you're penalized on your Social Security. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is uh, this particular guy couple you know, have a handful of million dollars saved up in retirement accounts. And so I said, well, listen, at the end of the day, if you come in to me and said, you know, I got 200,000 saved up for retirement and that's all I got to my name. I'm going to say, well, you ought to think about drawing social security earlier because I'd rather see you draw that and have a mix of taking less money from your retirement accounts to try to make that grow and last longer and then take the risk of, uh, you know, claiming social security early, taking a lower amount versus taking too much retirement monies to wait to take your social security and, and try to see that grow. So again... In this case where – in this particular case where he's got a couple million plus saved up for retirement, I told him it's a coin flip. It's no bad decision. I said my recommendation is going to be wait to take Social Security because you're younger, you're healthy. you know Statistically, you're going to live to 80-something years old, providing you don't get hit by a bus. But at the end of the day, you've got enough money to be able to make the the right call to say you can wait to take – again, it's, it's really case by case sure. dynamics of – do you, are you healthy I mean are you know you do have health history do you have uh, family uh, longevity those type of things and conversations are, are part of of uh you know, lead into the recommendation.
4: Sure. Well, also one of the other things is people right now are very skittish on the stock market because it's so crazy, but we shouldn't be. um, And again, working with an advisor, a fiduciary advisor like you, well, you will, I mean, if it makes sense to buy in, it makes sense to buy in.
2: Yeah. You know, the market's on sale right now and that's the, the, the best way to look at it. If you're if you've got at least five years, maybe even a couple of years left before you retire, the market's going to be back at an all-time high in a couple of years, maybe sooner. And so, if that's the case, and how do how can I say that on a radio show? People listening right now saying, "Cap, you don't know that," and you know, you know, right? Yeah, I don't know that, but I do know the trends of the market. And you go back to 1926. Stocks have returned an average of 10% per year back to 1926 before the Great Depression. We've had five major market pullbacks all the way back 34 years to 1987. 87, 1992 savings and loan crisis, the 1999-2001 stock market uh, tech bubble, and then 9-11 morphed into that, the 2007-2009 financial crisis, and then COVID which was a pullback, but come back quickly. And then this this last event, this past uh, 2022, five times in 34 years back. So the likelihood of we have three, four more corrections in the next 30 years are high. Pretty it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of staying in the right positions, maybe changing your risk tolerance as you get older, but, but staying in the game. You have to stay in the game to make sure that you're not pulling out at a low point of the market, you got to stay invested for the long haul.
4: And one of the other things that we're talking about here is, is you know, so avoiding the stock market, not necessarily, but ignoring long-term care. We haven't talked about that at all today. Uh, we don't, we will not need to go too far down that rabbit hole, but again, we've got to talk about
2: it. Well, one of the biggest expenses as a retiree coming into retirement is the, the, the healthcare cost, whether it be the premiums for Medicare Part B, the insurance premiums, deductibles, co-pays, and the bigger one that people do ignore, Steve, is the potential for long-term care event. Now, I, again, we won't. We can spend a whole show. We should do a lot uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks on uh, long-term care planning sure. and strategies and such. But at the end of the day, it's north of $300,000 as a retiree will need to spend on average for healthcare costs. And part of the big need of that is long-term care event. That doesn't mean you have to go to a home. I mean, I can tell you right now, my gram's 93 years old, just turned 93 years old. She's been in a a nursing home in Memphis, Tennessee for the last three years. and uh, it's costly. It's a lot of money that is put out by uh, my uncle and, and my dad to to pay for her care. And at the end of the day, she just needs that help and assistance to be in a facility that you know with a cognitive uh, uh, segment, she just needs that. So if you've not prepared for that or planned for that, um it's gonna cost you a lot of money. and if it if you prepare for it, it still may cost you a lot of money, but it won't put maybe some of your other retirements at risk so that that's what we're talking about making sure that whoever's left at home if you have a spouse or partner left behind that uh, they can still survive and maintain their retirement and not you know have to you know be forced out of the home or or spend down their retirement to help pay
4: for care oh i like that kevin 800-998-5649 let's go ahead and take a quick break and we will invite folks to call in the meantime sounds great steve for the next
2: 10 callers who will call in today
4: Give us a call, 800-998-5649, 800-998-5649. Let's break down how
2: you can help make sure your retirement savings are mostly safe, no matter what happens.
3: It's your go go years. So let's get going with another retirement road trip. We're visiting four houses from the ultra luxurious to the ultra modest, from historic to the mystique. Let's start with ultra luxurious. to Asheville, North Carolina to visit Biltmore, built for George Washington Vanderbilt II. It was such a monumental task, a woodworking factory and a brick kiln operated on site and a three-mile railroad spur was constructed to bring materials to the site. Four acres of floor space, 250 rooms including 35 bedrooms. Also a heated pool, a bowling alley, and a gym. Any visit to the Asheville area needs to include a tour of Biltmore. The ultra-modest. Dias, Arkansas is home to the boy home of music legend Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash fans come from all over the world to see this very modest home and learn about Dias Colony. Established as a Depression-era agricultural resettlement community, it's what brought the Cash family here in the 1930s. Efforts to restore the colony began in 2009. Now you can visit Johnny Cash's home and the theater, which is a museum and the visitor center. The historic Monticello, or Monticello, nestled in the mountains of Virginia near Charlotte it's the beloved home of Thomas Jefferson. The modern look of the home was the result of Jefferson's time as ambassador to France. He was struck with the architecture there. Walk the grounds, go inside. You'll also see Jefferson's inventions or improved upon devices, including a revolving bookstand, a copying machine, and a spherical sundial. The Mystique. the Mystique. You'll find the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California. It was once the personal residence of Sarah Winchester, the widow of firearm magnate William Wart Winchester. The story goes that Mrs. Winchester was told by a medium who was supposedly channeling her late husband that she must continuously build a home for herself and for the spirits of people who had fallen victim to Winchester rifles. So in the house, you'll find doors and stairs that go nowhere and other oddities. Your retirement plan can be built just how you want it and based on the lifestyle you want. And be sure to set aside enough to leave your home and visit others on your retirement road trip.
4: On Financial Safari, I'm consumer advocate Steve Sadel. Kevin Frisbee is here, a voice that we haven't heard. Uh, well, we heard we hear it. We hear it semi regularly now, right, Kevin? <laughs> semi
2: regularly, yes. I, again, I miss being on the show every week with you, Steve. But at the end of the day, I've got to let uh, our advisors get yeah. uh, get their airtime because, again, they're, they're they're you know they're helping so many people that are calling up the radio shows and the television shows. Um, but uh, I wanted to, to kind of showcase how much uh depth we have and how much uh talent we have here at Northern Alliance Financial.
4: And that website to check out is nafinancialadvisors.com, nafinancialadvisors.com. And so, yeah, all right, um, making sure our savings are safe. Well, I mean, that's that's a broad statement, um, but I, I think it starts, I mean, it can start with our 401k and making sure that. You know, if we're in a target date fund, um, you know, maybe take a look at that. And maybe it's time to change.
2: Yeah, you know, let's talk about that. The yeah. target date fund. You brought that up, and here, here's the thing: people just don't understand because they don't they don't have the knowledge and understanding of what the investments that they currently have access to in the four hundred one k's. Why do they don't understand? Because they don't have a representative at their company that is coming in on a regular basis explaining and sitting down and putting a tailored plan together saying, Mr. Jones, you've got these options in your 401k. This is your situation. Tell me a little bit about what's going on. And this, this, this is my recommendation. You don't get that. There's not one 401k offering that does that. You might have somebody come in that they have a hired hand coming in to to a, a group presentation at your company and talking in generalities, but guess who the burdens uh, who the burdens on to go select those investments? It's you, the consumer, and you're sent back home with a packet saying, "Here's your options. Go pick what you want." Is that the right plan for you? Is that the best investment for you? Hmm, I'm not quite sure. Right? <laughs> Nobody really knows. No. So the, the the side benefit that we can give to people that come in is number one, taking a look at what they have for options. And then doing an analysis, a portfolio analysis and what those options are, and then put a tailored plan together and make tailored recommendations based on what the client is trying to get, uh, trying to achieve, trying to get to. That's number one. The other thing is, when when I talked uh, at the beginning of the segment about keeping your savings mostly safe, no matter what happens, well, there are strategies that we can implement and look at to make sure that we minimize risk on portfolios. We have an active portfolio management strategy on our investment accounts that it's not going to protect 100% our clients' money from market volatility, no. But the goal is to minimize how much downside risk our clients actually will have if the market continues to have declines and have the volatility that we've seen this past year.
4: Right. Uh, you know, again, you, you just make sense when you when you talk that way, Kevin. And um, let's talk diversification and where that fits into keeping us safe.
2: You know, diversification is a funny word. And, and people come in sometimes and I've seen people come in, they've got 20 separate accounts or more, 20 separate accounts and investments scattered all over the place. And they come and say, you know, I'm diversified because I've got money in all these different types of accounts— mm-hmm. Merrill Lynch and this company and that company and TD Ameritrade and you name them. They're all scattered out, so they 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 feel like they're diversified. The analysis again, what we do is we'll tie it all together. We'll do an analysis on everything and find out what the investments are in each account. A lot of times, people have overlapping investments, similar type of investments. Even if even if they have ten or fifteen or twenty accounts, they've got the same type of investments or stocks or ETFs or mutual funds within those accounts. So you're not really as diversified as you might think. So the goal on our side is, let's take a look at everything you have going on. Let's maybe corral that a little bit. Maybe you don't need 20 separate accounts out there. Maybe we consolidate a little bit and separate it amongst a couple, three, four custodians that we have access to. TD Americhade, Charles Schwab, Fidelity Investments are our three main uh, custodians that we utilize. And now we can look at p- doing a proper investment strategy, having the proper diversification. Those things have to go hand in hand. Don't just assume you have proper diversification because you've got money scattered or investments scattered amongst several different companies.
4: I think that's a, that becomes a, a realization for some people, isn't it? When they realize, oh, I really don't, I'm really not diversified.
2: Yeah, no, it, again, and and you really can't tell by looking at uh, the separate investments, without doing the breakdown analysis of the actual in, in, in investments that you have within the, the mutual funds, let's say, to, to find out what kind of companies are you invested in inside each one of those mutual funds, that'll tell us if you're if you're really diversified or not. Sure.
4: Um, well, let's talk risk level, and because that changes as we age, I know. But um, unless we haven't saved enough, and then that risk level could be out of control as we get close to retirement, we need to sort of rein that in too. Well,
2: it does. So knowing your risk levels, the first and foremost important thing, but understanding what your risk level should be going forward is the second piece of that. A lot of people come in, they have no idea how much risk they're taking in their portfolios. We talk about it all the time. The number one thing we help clients get a handle on is really how much risk they have. Besides the fees and the cost of their their portfolios, the risk is the most important thing to get a handle on. Age is a factor, Steve, in a lot of cases of how much risk or not risk you should be taking. But I'll give you an example. Sometimes age is not a factor. And let me let me paint a picture. I had a client come into the Brewer office a handful of weeks ago now, maybe a month ago. I lose track of time. And he come in for him and his wife come in for a review, and uh, he's 80, 81 years old now, and she's. 70, mid to younger 70, something like that. I I can't remember exactly, but it doesn't matter. And so have a a sizable account with us, a seven-figure account with us and other funds and a great income and no debt and, and set themselves up really comfortable in their retirement and a handful of children. So he comes in and we're talking about stock market and the risk allocations. And he says, shouldn't his comments shouldn't i be less risky kev because i'm 80 i'm going to be 81 years old coming up and i said well listen based on your age the answer is yes but based on your situation the answer is no and he said what do you mean he says well let me explain and i said let, let's do a breakdown here you're not taking any of this money except what your requirement of distribution dictates you have to take because you don't need the income and in then need the RMD, required minimum distribution money, you're turning around and reinvesting it anyway. So technically, you're not drawing any of this money out. So knowing your situation, knowing you know how you've set yourself up, you're really investing for your kids and your grandchildren. So now you can look at saying, all right, you're not just investing for, assuming you have another 10 years or 15 years in front of you as far as life expectancy, you're investing for 30, 40, or 50 years in front of you because now the money that you've got currently invested is going to pass to your children and your grandchildren. Sure. So it changes the, the dynamic. The age factor now doesn't become a factor in the allocations and the amount of risk to are taken because now they know that this is passing on to another one or two generations.
4: Right. And again, I think that's when I think people really begin to listen. You start talking about that legacy. You start talking about kids, grandkids. and And I mean, it becomes a very emotional point, doesn't it?
2: It's an emotional point, but it's a factor in in investing and looking at the risk factors. Yes. It's, again, it's part of the conversation. And not everybody's got that situation where they're going to pass it all to the kids and grandkids. Some people say, hey, I want to spend it all before I pass away. Sure. And great. That, that's going to adjust the advice that we give to risk tolerance and risk allocation.
4: 800-998-5649. And uh, one of the things I think a lot of people are doing today is uh, rethinking that retirement date. Maybe I should just work for another year or so.
2: You know- particularly this past year in 2022 with the market declines. And it's not necessarily the market declines, but the, the the people's comfort level. And I've had a lot of clients pick a date in 2022, June 1st of 2022. I'm going to retire. And all of a sudden come April or May because of market conditions, they just didn't feel like it was the right time for them. They just didn't want to start to execute distributions from their retirement accounts while the market was down, while the the, the investment account was less than what it was, in January this year, so at the end of the day, they, they felt like uh, it wasn't the right time for them, and, and right, wrong, or indifferent, a lot of times I would sit and say, you know, you've got enough funds, you know, that the market's not drastically down, or your accounts are not drastically down, so, I mean, you can still pull this off and make this work without really too much worry, but it's not my advice that they're taking, it's the fact that they feel comfortable enough to stay working because that's just how they feel, and so I'm not gonna fault them or, or try to sway them to retire, if somebody is not feeling ready, then I'm gonna roll with it and say, all right, fine, let's let's keep our strategy in place, let's build our accounts let's try to put a little bit more money aside in your 401ks and then get yourself in a better position so you have a better comfort level.
4: Right. And, and th- people will have a better retirement as a result. I
2: think so. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, I've seen cases where people did retire too soon and, you know, because they hated a the job and they just had too much pressure at work and they, they were only 63 years old and they still had some time in front of them with a younger spouse in some cases. And all of a sudden it was the wrong choice to retire. Um, at that point, and uh, although my advice was stay working, and they still didn't take my advice because they stayed they they decided it was just too much pressure at work, whatever. Um, you know, again, I'm going to give the best advice that I can possibly give based on their circumstance and based on market conditions, but at the end of the day, they've got to be, uh, you know, making that choice by themselves. And uh, good, bad, or indifferent, I'm going to guide them along and, and uh, guide them the best I can after the fact. But the, tis- the decision ultimately is on them.
4: Well, that's always nice, too. I mean, it is up to us. And I love the fact that you just give us options. You give us solutions to problems.
2: Yeah, that's what we do. I mean, with our years and years and decades of experience collectively here at Northern Alliance Financial, all the advisors we have and thousands of, of uh, conversations we've had over the years and, and uh, I think a couple thousand plus clients we have collectively now as an organization. Um, we've seen a lot, Steve. We've seen a lot of circumstances and situations. We've helped a tremendous amount of people out and we'll continue to do that. And options are the key, right? Education and having options are the most important two things.
4: Right. Okay, absolutely. And again, we are up against the clock. uh, (laughs) I almost called you Lance. That's weird. Um, (laughs) So we're up against the clock, Kevin. Let's go ahead and uh, take one last break and invite folks to call. Sounds great, Steve. For the next
2: 10 callers who will call in today, we're going to create a one-page financial review that will indicate if you're in need of a full-blown financial plan. We're going to give it out absolutely free and complimentary with no obligation to the next 10 callers. What this will consist of is taking the mystery out of financial planning by mapping out for you where you are now. We'll also run a fee report to help you untangle what working with your current planner or advisor is costing you and see if by simply protecting your retirement investment, you could experience dramatic growth potential. We also perform a tax analysis to reveal how you could possibly reduce your taxes. We'll even run a customized income plan for you utilizing proven strategies and techniques which could turbocharge your retirement income and take the worry out of living in retirement. In short, we'll help you take the guesswork out of financial planning. For the next 10 callers, a comprehensive financial review that we're going to give away complimentary with no obligation.
4: Hey, folks, here it is. This is it. Last opportunity today to go ahead, give us a call, get a financial roadmap put together, and really take that complex financial world and turn it into something that that just makes sense. It's a practical financial review, and if you've never done it before, no time like the present. If you're looking for a second opinion... Uh, Kevin and the team at Northern Alliance Financial are there for you. 800-998-5649. It's a comprehensive financial review. It's showing you where you are today. But more importantly, it's a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. 800-998-5649. 800-998-5649. When we come back, it's time for questions
2: from listeners. Good stuff right after this.
5: Pan American Airways, better known as Pan Am, was founded as Pan American World Airways in 1927. It was the principal and largest international air carrier and unofficial flag carrier of the United States until it ceased operations. It was identified by its blue globe logo, the blue meatball, the use of the word clipper in its aircraft names and call signs, and the white uniform caps of its pilots. The first passenger flight on Pan Am occurred on January 16, 1928 from Key West, Florida to Cuba. On March 30, 1939, the Yankee Clipper, piloted by Harold E. Gray, made the first ever transatlantic passenger flight. In June 1947, Pan Am started the first scheduled round-the-world airline flight. Pan Am's peak was in the late 1960s and early 1970s. It carried 6.7 million passengers in 1966, and by 1968, its 150 jets flew to 86 countries on every continent except for Antarctica. The one's darling of the friendly skies began to see its fortunes tumble. Pan Am had invested in a large fleet of Boeing 747s, thinking that air travel would continue to increase. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case, as the introduction of many wide bodies by Pan Am and its competitors coincided with an economic slowdown due to the 1973 oil crisis. Things looked like they were on the upswing in January 1988, but on December 21, 1988, the bombing of Pan Am Flight 103, above Lockerbie, Scotland, led to 270 fatalities. More than 100 families filed a $300 million lawsuit against Pan Am. The first Gulf War in 1990 caused fuel prices to rise, which severely depressed global economic activity and hurt international travel, causing huge losses for Pan Am. Pan Am filed for bankruptcy protection on January 8, 1991. There were claims at that point that Pan Am was losing $3 million a day. It was projected by senior officials of a projected shortfall of between 100 million and possibly 200 million, with the airline requiring a $25 million installment just to fly through the following week. Pan Am ended operations on December 4th, 1991. The carrier's last flown scheduled operation was Pan Am Flight 436, which departed that day from Bridgetown Barbados at 2 p.m. for Miami. Pan Am International Flight Academy in Miami is the only surviving division of Pan American World Airways. was established as an independent training organization in 1992.
4: Hey, we're back on Financial Safari with Kevin Frisbee. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Kevin, of course, is the founder of Northern Alliance Financial. You will find him there and you'll find him here on the radio. And uh, we have... A lot to talk about in this segment. Um, we Let's mention, um, I know that that, that we're on, coming up on the end of the year, but next year, the uh, calendar's chock full of seminars, and people are anxious to go. Yeah,
2: you know, with the addition of Jeremy Barnard uh, to our group again, um, helping us uh, with our expansion, uh, we've got uh, seminars scattered, Pete Hansen, Derek Hewitt down in uh, Southern Maine. We've got Lance Gilman here in uh, in the central uh, Tabangor area. Um, if you're listening and you're an advisor with a uh, fiduciary license, we would welcome a conversation. We're looking for a couple more advisors, particularly in northern Maine area to, to assist us in our growth. We've got so many people that have reached out to us uh, client-wise and and for the portfolio x-rays. And yeah, so we, I'm not going to go through all the seminar locations. No, no, We've got no. them booked You know, right through, I would say, uh, at least June, summertime, including the Client Appreciation Bank, which we're, we're pinning down some dates. For springtime here in Maine, and we're excited to kick those off again uh, in 2023.
4: I was going to ask you about that. That's exciting that you're uh, that you're going to do that and and really just be a part of it. I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, we're because I, you had I, to I put those. it off for what two I, years?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, we, we were thinking about doing them in 2022, but it was still some skittishness about COVID. So yeah. we decided that 2023 would be the year, and we relaunch, and we're gonna have we're gonna have a, we're gonna throw a bash in 2023 to celebrate. All the two years that we didn't have a party and just celebrate our clients. Yeah,
4: I like it. 800-998-5649. Let's jump into some questions here, Kevin. And uh, we've got Axel in Norway. He says, in two years, my wife and I will be 66 years old. We'll be qualified to receive full Social Security benefits. Now, we have IRA accounts with a combined value of over $1 million. How can my wife and I reduce taxes when we start to withdraw from our IRA accounts during retirement? Well, come on in yeah, and see Kevin.
2: <laughs> yeah, c- come in for an, an analysis and review and, and tax planning strategies, uh, Axel. Thanks for writing in. Here's the thing. When you when you talk about taking full Social Security at your full retirement, 66 in this case. You have your IRA accounts and congratulations, over a million dollars in retirement monies. That's great. Um, when you start doing withdrawals, the key here is how much do you need on a monthly basis to maintain your lifestyle? What is that number? And then how much are you going to be able eligible to collect in Social Security? And now there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a difference, right? How much do you have Social Security? What's your monthly budget need? And then how much do you need to draw from retirement accounts? And then looking at tax brackets to make sure that you still may have to pay taxes on Social Security unless the bill passes. It's in Congress right now, eliminating taxes on a federal level for Social Security recipients. We're watching that bill closely, but let's play the game as the rules are right now. Yes. We want to try to minimize taxes on Social Security as best we can. We might not be able to do that if both of you collect Social Security based on the fact that the thresholds aren't very high because they set them in 1983 with no inflation factor built in but the key is making sure you you have a withdrawal strategy it's tax efficient where you're pulling money from to supplement your social security incomes and maintain your lifestyle
4: yeah right 800-998-5649 alex if you want to know a little bit more and uh, i mean again that that couple seems to be in pretty good shape they got a million bucks but you know again to to knock down some of that uh, to make those uh, rmds a little bit smaller you know convert some of that money
2: yeah, that's a possibility, uh, Steve. Again, we're going to look at what their need is first for an income purpose mm-hmm. and then figure out what the tax brackets are and then uh, move accordingly based on uh, on the tax brackets really is what what's going to dictate any Roth conversions or any other strategies we might implement.
4: Sure. Well, it was good to have a conversation. Let's see. Fred is in Biddeford uh, and he says, when you withdraw money from a 401k plan, pay taxes, and reinvest the balance into a Roth 401k, is there a waiting period of five years for the profit that would be tax-free? Also, if you do this yearly, must each uh, conversion amount be held for five years? Or once the Roth 401k is open, is it only one five-year period? I know that gets a little tricky, Kevin. It gets a little tricky, and the key with a Roth uh,
2: option is you have a one-time five-year wait on waiting till that money is tax-free. So if you do continuous conversions or contributions to a Roth account, the five years doesn't start over. That's the key there. I, I guess I would question, Fred, why you would go from a 401k to a Roth 401k. Right, me too. When, you know, it, it, that, may, that may not make sense in what you're trying to do. If you need some of that money before the five-year window, it could hurt you tax-wise and penalty-wise. So we might look at some different options to do a non-retirement investment. And, and I have clients that do this all the time. They take the required minimum distributions or money that they're taking from the 401k accounts or IRAs, and they don't need the income, so that we get it reinvested in a non-retirement type of chassis. Oh, that's smart.
4: Yeah. I mean, again, because are there a lot of people you find that, that you know, the RMDs, they just, they've been such good savers that they don't really need that money at that point?
2: Many, many 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 of our clients have that situation yet yeah. i mean i've i love those conversations because it's kev we don't need the money and the reason that the the requirement of distribution rule is in place is because the irs wants to force you to start to pay taxes on that money but if you don't need the money we do the withdrawals it suffices the rmd rule you pay the taxes on it we withhold the taxes automatically and then reinvest what the difference is and it happens all the time
4: i like it and uh, i mean i guess people must be pretty happy when they see the returns
2: for sure, and, and you know, I kind of off top, not, not off topic, but offshoot a little bit is mm-hmm. if somebody has kids, grandkids, or beneficiaries, even charities that they want, and let's say somebody's got a a thirty thousand dollars requirement of distribution, which you know is not unusual, and they don't need that money, maybe we take a portion of that and buy a life insurance policy that is a tax free death benefit to your kids, grandchildren, or charity, and so now you're not just reinvesting, but you actually put a, a plan in place where some of that money. No, all of that life insurance money comes out tax free when you pass away. And now you've got the ability to maybe pay the the income taxes with the life insurance proceeds on the retirement monies for your kids and grandkids, to the charities, whatever you want to leave that money to. So there's some creative strategies we can do when somebody doesn't need that money for income purposes. Mm
4: -hmm. Good good to have that conversation, folks. 800-998-5649. There you go, Fred. Uh, Maggie is in Ellsworth, and she's wondering, she says, I'm 65. I have 1.5 million from divorce proceedings. What should I use to guide the allocation of my assets that's in my portfolio. Wow, well, she needs to come on in and have a sit down.
2: Yeah, Maggie, thanks for writing in. So my question first and foremost, and you didn't indicate here in email, is the 1.5 million you got from divorce proceedings, is it pre-taxed, like you carved up a, um, a 401k type of account, so it's pre-taxed, or is it after tax where uh, you got paid off to you know, basically walk away? And sometimes that's the case. I got a uh, a client right now going through a divorce. Um, husband and wife. She's a client. He never became a client, but she's g- you know consulting with me to uh, take either take money from her retirement account to pay him off for the property that they the house that they live in versus versus taking a loan based on her age, based on the amount of money she needs. It's going to be better that she goes to get a loan, even with the high interest rates, versus cashing in uh, you know several hundred thousand dollars to pay him off because of tax purposes. It won't make sense to do that. So. That would be my first question, Maggie. Mm-hmm. What should you do to guide the allocation of my assets? It's going to be based on what do you? how much do you need to support your, your lifestyle. You know, you've know, you got enough money in a 1.5, I'm going to say, probably to be able to tuck some of that money in a longer-term investment, put some of it more of a short-term investment for, for income purposes. There's a lot I think we can do with and, and talk through here, but we need to figure out how much, if any of it, is pre-tax versus after-tax.
4: You're right. All right. That's so good to know. Those are all a great conversation to have. And and generally, when someone gets that kind of money, I mean, they should just wait before they make any rash decisions, right?
2: Oh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you don't want to make, uh, you know, you don't want to feel pressured like you have to make a decision right yeah, away. Right. Most times you can sit down, put a plan in place, have enough time to go by and be comfortable enough to, to make that decision. You know, sleep on it. Yeah. so to speak. And uh, don't make it uh, right away. And certainly don't sit with an advisor is going to push you into making a decision, you know, right out of the
4: gate. All right. Um, so there you go, Maggie. 800-998-5649. Uh, let's see. we got time for one more. Let's go to Paul in Freeport. Paul says, I have an annuity that I'm very pleased with, but I still have about $200,000 sitting in cash. My advisor has suggested that I put that money into another annuity, but I'm not sure that it makes sense to have a second one. What do you think?
2: Yeah, Paul, thanks Thanks for writing in. Um, the answer is probably not. Number one, you're not comfortable um, even talking about it here, and I'm not comfortable putting all your money in annuities, uh, because at the end of the day, annuities usually give up uh, liquidity of the full account value and you usually can take money penalty free out of annuities but not the whole account unless you pay a penalty unless you get past a certain amount of time i'm more of a fan of not keeping two hundred thousand in cash necessarily but putting it to work in a more conservative position where you can get some growth on that money but keeping it liquid so that if you did need additional money above and beyond what the annuity is paying you out you can get access to it but but if you do another annuity and you restrict your access to capital in case something major happens in your life that's probably probably not good advice
4: probably not 800-998-5649 on that note uh, Kevin we need to uh, take one last break and uh, invite folks to call there's still a couple of spots left on the calendar
2: sounds great Steve for the next 10 callers who will call in today
4: Hey, folks, here it is. Don't miss your opportunity. Last time today, we're going to open up the phone lines, invite you to call, come on in, and really put together a financial roadmap, a chance to get a true practical financial review. You can find out how much risk you're taking. You can find out if there are any red flags that maybe could be potential problems. How much are you paying in fees or commissions? What's your potential tax liability? All of those things are what is discussed when you come on in, sit down with the team at Northern Alliance Financial, 800-999. 988-5649-800-998-5649. 988-5649-800-998-5649. Kevin, as always, a pleasure to be uh, back on the air with you, and uh, certainly look forward to our next visit.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'll be on the uh, on the radio doing some shows with you periodically. Like I said, I've given the uh, the microphone to the advi- the other advisors here yeah. to kind of showcase them and let people know in Radio Land that uh, you know w- the depth that we have, the abilities and skills that we have, skill sets that we have, and uh, get to know our other advisors and their personalities. So anybody that calls, we're gonna return your call within an hour of the show ending. So if you heard something today, or if you've call it, come in before, give another call. We'd love to have a, a sit down with you and do a, a complimentary, no cost uh, portfolio x-ray.
4: That sounds great. Folks do take advantage, 800-998-5649. We want to thank everybody for listening. Really do appreciate it. And we're going to come back next week. We've got new topics and questions and a whole lot more here on Financial Safari.
1: Investment advisory services are offered through Foundations Investment Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is intended for informational and educational purposes only. The views, statements, and opinions expressed herein are those of the individual speakers and not necessarily those of Foundations and its affiliates. The information contained herein does not constitute an offer to sell any securities or represent an express or implied opinion or endorsement of any specific investment opportunity, offering, or issuer. Any discussion of performance or returns is not indicative of future results. Any mention of rates and guarantees provided by insurance products and annuities are subject to the financial strength of the issuing company, not guaranteed by any bank or the FDIC. Each individual investor situation is different, and ideas provided may not be appropriate for your particular circumstances. Foundations only transacts business in states where it is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. Registration as an investment advisor is not an endorsement of the firm by securities regulators and does not mean the advisor has achieved a specific level of skill or ability. A Roth conversion may not be suitable for your situation. The primary goal in converting retirement assets into a Roth IRA is to reduce the future tax liability on the distributions you take in retirement or on the distributions of your beneficiaries. The information provided is to help you determine whether or not a Roth IRA conversion may be appropriate for your particular circumstances. Please review your retirement savings, tax, and legacy planning strategies with your legal or tax advisor to be sure a Roth IRA conversion fits into your planning strategies. Alternative investments are often complex, speculative, and illiquid investment vehicles that are not suitable for all investors and are typically only available to accredited investors who meet certain minimum financial requirements.
0: No legal or tax advice is provided. Always consult with a tax professional. All rights reserved.